0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm my chip outs, man. I got this,
1: yeah.
2: And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time!
1: to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod.
2: Ankle Pickers, we are back for our regularly scheduled programming as Country Club usually says. Packed house today, both the Chords brothers in attendance. I'm going to start with Dan. Dan, how, how are you doing on this lovely, what, Thursday evening?
1: What up, what up, Reese? I'm doing all right. I'm juiced as a, some of our more loyal listeners know. I'm a big city fan. City a big comeback today, 4-2 over Tottenham. Let's go. I was wondering what you're
3: wearing because it's like getting messed up in the whole like mm-hmm. big background thing if your shoulders keep
1: disappearing. Watch this. Give me. I got no shoulders. I, I don't I don't do anything. I don't do any shoulders. No shoulders for Dan.
2: Give me audio. I should sound for everyone listening. I should sound better. I just plugged in the mic. That's for the boys. That's for you. On the fly, your
3: ankle pickers. On the fly.
2: Okay. So, uh,
0: wait. You're good, bud. You sound good.
2: Okay. Sweet. 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 So, uh, game. Oh, Kobe, how are you doing? I I can't forget about Country Club.
3: I'm great. I'm excited to be here with you boys.
2: Okay. Good man. Pay per view week. I'm excited. It's hard not to be excited, right? I mean, we're we're living large. So here, so here's the deal. As you might have known, yesterday or last Saturday didn't go great, for me at least. I was in the red, and if it wasn't for Dan Ige, I probably would have had to retire. Dan, how'd you do last
1: week? I was slightly red, too. I went one and yeah. one. Lost uh, my three unit, one my two.
2: Yeah, Punaheli, Coconut, Coconut Bombs, factus.
0: I Whatever. Not going to digress. New week, moving forward. But... Ankle pick Kobe went in
2: the green this week, 2-0. I
3: did only win the two that I played. I played Danny and I played uh, Javid Bashrat. But I, it's tough because it's not like I'm really tracked. So
2: Yeah, but that's the news. So we have new graphics coming up. Kobe did a great job working on them. And we are going to streamline our tracked information to you. So we're basically just going to post our plays every week, post our lifetime plus minus, so you'll always be in the alert on who to fade and who to, who to tail. But Kobe, you are going to be included in that. So. Fantastic. Surprise, surprise. The pot is back. Okay. Recap first. We got to recap UFC Vegas. 67. Thank you. I feel like we've been on sixty like in the sixties for 15 cards. So. This was a short notice replacement for Sean Strickland. He faced off against Nostraday Emavov. I'm only going to make a note of a couple. Kobe, get the bonus tracker ready. So first things first, the return of Jimmy Flick
1: did not go well. Kind of got steamrolled by Charles Johnson. I thought the stoppage was questionable, but I didn't think the yeah. fight was going to change at all.
2: Yeah, that's seemingly my, I thought the fight was questionable. Thought it was a little early, but it was a, Apparent to me in that four minutes that Jimmy Flick just wasn't ready for that or or just stylistically Charles it was not a good matchup for him what else is worth like?
1: the line it was so wide
2: yeah so Nascimento got the finish and Get a I, bonus he did good well-deserved bonus I'm a big fan of Nascimento. I did end up throwing him in a parlay that saved me a little bit because it was him and it was Boshrod Um, And that was kind of me tailing Kobe there. So that ended up working up, not tracked though, of course. Um, Your boy, Nick, Nick uh, Fury. He held in a little better than expected. It went to unanimous decision. It was minus to go to, for uh, Mateus to end it inside the distance. And you know what, Dan, as much as I think Rebecca is talented, this performance actually put him on my potential fade list due to the gas take issues. I mean, he blew out his wad instantaneously and it allowed.
1: Yeah, definitely respect to him yeah. for biting down on the mouthpiece and not going away, even sure. after he, he lost his reserves. Um, but I think I was going back and forth with someone on Twitter. And ultimately I think that someone with a lot more experience than Fiore is going to really make him pay if he gets like that in the future.
2: Yeah. And I also think this was a good fight for Fury just for his own resume, own learning experiences, understanding what that next level is like and can probably make adjustments in the gym. So this was a track play for me. This one I lost. I took Claudio Hiberio against Abdul Razak Al Hassan. I thought Hassan would have been at a disadvantage at speed, um, accuracy. Thought Claudio would be able to get his off, obviously. Claudio had a good round one.
1: I didn't give him round
2: one one but he he looked decent yeah he looked at least comfortable in the ranges but 38 year old Abdul still clearly has the power in the hands so that's on me that 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 I lost some money there
1: too untracked but I I couldn't stay away from the over one and a half I love the non-oh one a half. yeah Uh, I I love I love sitting there sweating but I know um, you
2: you I know you tweeted at me or tweet yeah you tweeted at me and I didn't know what fight you were talking about but now I realized you said I couldn't lay off the over and now it's apparent
1: Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I love so, those one and a halfs.
2: Kobe, did duel get anything, or can he go? Can he suck a nut? Wow, nothing there. Nothing to the uh, main card here. Javad Basharat t- uh, took down Men- Mendonca. I mean, Mendonca is dangerous, and he's very young. And I'm not like, I don't want to throw shade his way. I think that he's actually a good prospect. I think this is more just how good and how calculated Basharat is and how far he can go in the sport. Because I think, and correct me if this seems crazy, but I think he's a top 10 Bantamweight in the world. From what I've seen against Gravely, from what I've seen here, I think he's, he's fringe top 10 Bantamweight in the world. I bet we see him ranked by the end of 2024. He definitely shows it.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I hope so. Um, it's tough because of how deep that Bantamweight division is. It's hard, he's definitely uh, someone to earmark definitely impressive so holy
2: speaking shit, of impressive yeah holy shit umar Nurmagomedov left hook ko TKO. it was i don't know how he generated the power because he kind of went in with a knee first and like with a half extended arm did a check left hook KO over Hayoni Barcelos, who's no slouch by any means, and got the first round KO. I'm I'm guessing he's 50k, Richard.
3: Who's had never
1: been knocked out. Who had never been knocked out. Insane.
3: Uh, a- Reese, you're right about the 50k to Umar. Yeah, he's a dangerous,
2: dangerous man. Very dangerous man.
3: I, I, I don't, don't know. know. A single,
1: we just got finished saying that bantamweight might be the deepest division in the entire sport. I don't know a single bantamweight that wants to sign a fight against Umar.
2: Let me put it this way I'm looking at that top. like jam or the top clog. I think if you are ranked above him, you there's no reason for you to sign that dotted line because you will lose your ranking more often than not. Holy shit. it was just very impressive. Raquel Benning- Pennington split decision over Ketlin Vieira. I only want to mention this because people are saying it might be controversial. did you guys see it that way or do you think I scored it wrong?
1: for I scored it for Ketlin? I think it was a close fight, ultimately toss-up, but I did score it for Ketlin. I okay. wasn't, like, surprised, oh, fix, whatever. Um, yeah, close woman's fight. Yeah. could have gone. I only mentioned way, it because, yeah, it
2: normally we skip over those, but I only mentioned it because I saw Twitter was kind of up in arms about it. I didn't have a problem with it, but I also didn't really care. I kind of, like, whatever, like, this is so – I think Ketlin underperforms her value more often than not. So women's dog comes through yet again.
3: Yeah, first women's dog, first women's fight of 2023, one and zero so far. Women's dogs are
2: that system's wild. That system's wild. We will continue to track it all year. What we should do is we should post last year's results too um, in a in a Twitter post. So I'll get on that after we end this recording. Next three fights we're going to mention because we'd so our. Pseudo ankle lock slash Danny and I bet uh, Puna Hele Soriano. Was this uh, an official ankle lock? Well, I did make a tweet after we recorded. So for, this, for, for namesake, we will call it an ankle lock and we will lose. But we'll be more judicial on, on what we take and not take. Like we'll be more firm. But I did make the tweet, so I'll own it. Uh, we'll, we'll call it a lock. Even though on fight night, I, I was way – I actually was more in favor of Danny Ege, but fuck me. But so Punahele, dude, he
1: totally gas.
2: I mean, I was not impressed with Kopilov. I more was like, wow, Punahele fought a bad fight.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, ultimately, Kopilov stuffed everything Pune had. I mean, he had answers for anything that um, Puna threw at him. But, yeah, it was uh, – Surprising performance to say the least.
2: It just the game plan for me made no sense because you have a guy in Kopilov who who has holes, likes to counter strike. I'm shocked at how fast Puna blew his wad. I and and so what made me wonder is do you think the I know he was dealing with a really bad infection and he's taken some time off? I wonder if that played into the cardio problem because throughout the entire Brendan Allen war. And the entire, he's he's had a couple wars, and through the entire uh, Nick Maximal fight, he was fine, he was fine. So I, this was weird for me to see him get so tired so fast. I think I probably didn't put enough weight into the illness he was dealing with. And Kobulov got fifty k. Okay, okay, and I imagine then this one's the last fifty k bonus because there's a hell of a performance. Dan Ige's back in the win column. Against Damon Jackson with a left hook KOTKO. And one of the tweets we sent out that ended up getting a lot of love was Ige fights nothing but killers. This is a step down for him. He, it's a good value spot.
0: Exactly
2: what it ended up being. Not that Damon Jackson's a slouch by any means. It's just Dan Ege, as Dan said last week, has an all-time suppressed value because of his streak he's on against straight killers proved to be true. So great. And that's read why I ended Dan. up playing Danny. Mm-hmm. Great read by Dan. Yeah, you're out right about out. the 50 K there too.
3: All four performance bonuses this 50, week. 50 K he for 50 K
2: he or 50 K for 50 K. 50K
1: for 50K and it's been a little, it's been a little while for him to get that 50 K.
2: Yeah. But he, another thing that makes me really happy is Dan's mentioned it a, a lot of times on the show that, Ige is like a pseudo agent as is and fighting's more like not that he's not a professional fighter but like he he has other he could do other things so I like that after this fight he instantly went on Twitter and was like who's next I'm ready which I love because I want to I want to see more Danny I'm a huge Danny gay fan he brings it to people I want to see more you gay lastly short notice unanimous decision for Sean Strickland versus Imov misread on my part and I think the misread came from I was so high on Emoval versus Gastelum that I didn't put into enough weight or an account for the short-notice Strickland matchup. Strickland stuck that jab as I knew he was going to do. He stayed in the phone booth as I knew he was going to do, and he just landed the better shots. So, again, hand up, misread. But I'm definitely going to learn from the short-notice replacements. I think I'm going to take more weight into how it might affect imavov's camp rather than how it might affect strickland because strickland looked bigger strickland looked ready to go because he didn't just get off the couch he just fought a couple weeks ago so strickland got it done um definitely he really he, just
1: felt like he was one step ahead the whole night yeah
2: he's, he just looked better he just looked better and that's and imavov's young he's 26 he's working on his wrestling he's mixing things in i think there will be better value shots down the line but i think strickland's really found a home in that like middle middle middleweight like six to 10 range where he's just kind of the not a gatekeeper but he's just there for the mainstay anything you guys want to add before we close the books on this one
1: nothing shake heads shake heads i got nothing the one thing i'll say is that um it wasn't exactly but it's kind of funny how the first card of this year mirrored the first card of last year with the um Highly touted prospect, a little bit being slapped back down the rankings by a guy who's not necessarily top of the division. With cater versus Jakaze,
2: mm, that, we was, that was the first card of last year. Haven't seen Giga yep. since either.
1: Believe it or not, mm-hmm. wow. I, it should just be will be interesting as to what that it does for Bob It'll be interesting to what it does for the division, but uh we've seen this before.
2: I also, another takeaway from the storyline of this card was it shows the polarity of different prospects, like how different you have to look at a guy like Umar versus a guy like Imoval. Like Imoval's a a top prospect in his own right, but even to the prospects, there's significant levels to it. And when you see a guy as well-rounded and as polished as Umar finishing a guy as talented as Barcelo's, it makes you realize that those higher weight classes, guys like Imavov, guys like maybe even say aren't in that upper echelon of guys who like the Hamzats and the Umars and the Armands and the Ilias. And it's just interesting because there's just, even in the prospecting, there's different degrees. So wild stuff. Okay. I think we're good here on UFC Vegas 67. And we will get to news and notes brought to you by Country Club Kobe.
3: Um, let's talk Branson Ghanem. He mm. was obviously released this week by the UFC amid kind of a contract dispute. He had his own YouTube situation. He was talking to Ariel Hawani earlier this week. It sounds like some of the things that he was fighting for, and admittedly they were a little far-fetched um, or self-admittedly by himself. Um in cage sponsorship opportunities for fighters to make more money themselves and uh health care for fighters. So, anyways, we've got probably the best heavyweight in the world, or at least you know, thought of that way amongst most of them. Make community is a free agent,
2: yeah. And I just want to touch for two seconds on the demands that he had. The way I look at it is he probably could have gotten leeway on on one or two, or I don't know how the negotiations went, but I think that fighter pay and fighter healthcare is something we see in the sport eventually. And uh, as in next five years. And the reason why I believe that is because I think now that there's other legitimate competition, the UFC is going to be forced to do those types of things to keep the upper echelon of talent. Because I think is the first of potentially many who will leave for a better filled out roster in Bellator and PFL if they're getting more money, they're getting healthcare, they're getting whatever else. Now, I think like the in-cage deals, I think that that deal and payment system is probably sticking, you know, the Reebok and the Venom where fighters get a cut of the overall revenue share of whatever they wear. Not as much as sponsorships, but I think it's just probably easy, a little less complicated, especially with like these like FTX and shit. Like you don't need to vet who's sponsoring you, whatever, whatever. But I don't know how much longer they're gonna get away with 10k show, 10k win, no healthcare. I mean, people cannot live off that. So I mean, Mighty was,
1: Mouse was was saying on his stream this week that in his first title shot, he was still making 30 and 30. Like and that's, that's for the title. Fucked. That's fucked. And the sports come a long
2: way since then, just because of.
0: Popularity guys, Popularity.
2: like just modern developments of sports and TV deals. But one of the big thing that was getting thrown around was Dana's comments towards the situation was, well, we offered him a deal to make his make him the, the highest paid heavyweight of all time. And one of the names that Dana used was Brock Lesnar. And it's like, bro, that was so long ago. Like this shouldn't be where we're at. We should be talking about real serious serious money. And what ends up happening is that's why the UFC lost Connor for a little bit. That's why these guys all call out boxing matches. It's because they need they need to get paid. And so I think we're gonna see a transition sooner rather than later, either a fighters union or healthcare or something. Because PFL, Bellator, they're not joking around. They're really good. I think
1: we'll see a mass exodus to PFL with that 50-50 fighter split. And I'm just praying to God as a fight fan that they can stay afloat. I don't know how they're paying their bills, but, man, I hope they can continue. Well, they
2: have a lot of money behind them. I believe 50 Cent is involved. I believe Wiz Khalifa is involved. I know there's investors for PFL, but I also know that their first pay-per-view – did really shitty. It was a great card up and down. It was really great. Like it was the Kayla Harrison upset and it was the end of the Grand Prix or end of the tournament, but it only did like a couple thousand buys, which is problematic. So they might need to restructure it with pricing or maybe like having a Francis Ngannou headline changes the draw a little bit. I don't know. I think having the
1: baddest man in the world headline your card definitely will draw some, some, put some asses in seats. But when you think about the difference between
2: 5 years ago and 10 years ago in the sports and the and the in the competition to now the UFC has definitely lost ground to these competitors so you know I just want at the end of the day I just want what's best for the fighters I don't really care about what organization is running the show as long as the fighters are getting enough pay and decent compensation and health and all that stuff So, we'll see.
0: Big news. Um, Changing gears a little bit. Let's
3: talk Jeff Molina, who, conflicting reports, but wasn't officially released by the UFC. Um, They did kind of mention that they won't be booking him anytime soon. New York State Athletic Commission came out and said that he was involved in a substantial way with the whole James Krause saga.
2: What I heard was that he used money from betting or books or some sort of betting thing to pay for like rent and something else. And again, it circles back to the fact that Jeff Molina, I believe ranked at the time, can't pay his own fucking bills with his job. That is a professional athlete is saying something. Nonetheless, though, you can't be doing what, what they were doing. It's just fucked.
1: But I think in that same note, there was a, Kobe, I'm not sure if you have the tweet in front of you from Aaron Bronstetter today. I think that they, um, as of this morning, got a lot more cut and dry with who is and who isn't allowed to wager on the sport. I think that they they widened the umbrella of managers, teammates, um, coaches, really any affiliation that you can have with a gym or a fighter um, is it, no longer legally allowed to wager. Did As you, it probably should have been all along.
0: Mm, right.
2: I don't mind fighters betting on themselves. I really don't, especially with the pay problem. It's I just remember a slippery slope
3: because you can't. I know guys saying that they're going to bet, you know, inside the distance, and then all of a sudden they're gassing out, and it's compromising the integrity of the sport. You can't. Yeah. No, it's I, I agree. Slope.
2: I agree. It's
1: Here's the question, Kobe. MMA is a really unique sport where teams aren't part of the league uh and and local people random nobodies can join professional teams and be on the mats with these professionals uh, um so i guess where do you draw the line of teammates and 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 whatnot and who's going to enforce like I, if I, I'm
2: I i think that rolling you, with yeah i think if you have a reasonable outcome like a reasonable reason to know more than the general public so Anyone that helped with your training camp would know about an injury, would know about this kind of stuff. Like, anyone who could take advantage of not public information. Now, who enforces that? I don't know. Maybe Country Club.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: put me in charge. That's what I'm saying. Give us a little edge. It's a weird dynamic, though. And my real message on this is just, fuck James
1: Krause. He's a scumbag. I think there's an actual company called Integrity that monitors it. Um, but here's the tweet. I've got, uh, it's UFC issued a press release saying that they have amended their athlete conduct policy to prohibit all insiders, in parentheses, coaches, managers, handlers, trainers, et cetera, affiliated with athletes or the UFC from placing any wages directly through any third party or on any UFC matches.
0: I think this is a step in the right direction. Definitely.
1: Adds a, a huge layer of legitimacy to a sport that, has kind of had its ups and downs in terms of legitimacy.
2: There also was some Brandon Moreno talking about it during his presser. He was asked about it, and it's like he switched camps to go to glory, and now he has to switch again, or at least switch coaches. And he said that he had a little bit of a heads-up when Miles Johns wasn't allowed to have Kraus in the corner, so he kind of knew he was coming. But – to make a huge lifestyle move to what we used to say is one of the better gyms to now having to maybe re-switch like that could compromise him this week. You know, I'm, 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 I'm hoping that I wish the, the pain was centralized just to James Krause and those who are involved, not the umbrella of a a guy as, as good as Brandon Moreno, who has nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? Sucks.
3: um we're gonna keep the transition going this kind of snuck out of a Gilbert Burns interview this week but apparently word is amongst the fighters that Hamzat is moving to middleweight and that was brought up through like a potential rematch with Gilbert in an
0: interview with Gilbert I don't think I be real surprised by that but something to go on the only thing though
2: it should make the Gilbert performance that much more impressive. Because Gilbert's a tweener between 55 and 70, and Hamzat's every bit of 185. So the fact that a guy who fought at 55 for a long length of his career went toe-to-toe for a guy who's going to spend a lot of his career at 85 is just that much more impressive. Definitely. Oha, Oha.
3: All right, some fights to announce. And I know – First, we're going to hit on a few that we haven't touched on and set the spread already. Reese retweeted it, I think. But Piotr Jan versus Marab DeValjevili, that is going to headline the March 11th Vegas card that's at the Virgin Hotel Vegas. It's not going to be an Apex card. I'm so down to go. Go. You're down to go. Five rounds there.
2: Uh, it's probably going to take all five because Marab's not a finisher. Andy has Piotr a smoking.
0: Training.
1: You know that. Piotr's no. avenging the, the Jose Aldo loss here. I've never been more confident. No, you're wrong. And one of the huge reasons why you're wrong is because
2: there's no resources that Piotr has, but Sarah Longo has shown a definitive game plan to beat Piotr. And
1: Maravas. You think back. that Sierra, the Sarah Longo B team is just going to go up there and perform? Whoa, like
2: cool whoa. Plan? Whoa, Marab's no B team. Marab's A team. Aljo's B team. Marab is their best fighter.
1: I just set. don't think it's that repeatable against a guy as skilled as Piotr Jan. I'm really looking forward to this fight.
0: Piotr lost. And to we're Sugar looking Shot. forward to
1: as soon as a line comes out there.
3: We're
0: going to jump on that, set the spread. Pyotr lost to Sugar Shot O'Malley. You know that's Do you, not true. You know who didn't lose to Sugar Shot O'Malley? Marab. Marab doesn't lose, bro. Marab doesn't win
1: either. <laughs> Marab just kind of holds people. Right? Okay. He does oh, and wow. it's not even like Khabib. It's not it's not a hold people down. He just holds people.
2: That I mean, the people can the people can't escape. That's on them. Learn to escape. Dig unders. You have to admit I think, they, his cardio, I think that
1: you'll find when it's you have not to
2: admit a four year old Jose Aldo they can. You have to admit his cardio is impressive. It is his impressive.
1: Cardio, I, 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 I like I like what he brings to the table. Piotr Jan has another thing to show him. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Another
3: fight to announce that we still don't have a line for. This one is April 15th. Edson Barbosa and Billy Quarantillo. Do you know how that one got announced? Didn't uh, Edson tweet about it or something? or on some um,
2: Billy posted on his OnlyFans. Oh, that's what it was. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: It's a
0: banger. Um, Glad to see Edson still in the mix of mix. Um, I'm going to rattle through
3: a few of these fights that we've already set spreads for but haven't announced on the midweek pod. But Syrogan john Jones is official for 285, UFC 285, that's March 4th in Vegas. UFC 286 has its main event and co-main in Kamaru Usman versus Leon Edwards 3, second title fight for those two and geishi and Fazeev. mm
2: god that's a that's a card shaping up nicely
3: and we don't have an audio for it but i i we got to have some sort of audio insert because i got a surprise set spread come up for you guys right now okay we had we had spreads announced for february 4th so i've got two fights on that card um The co-main and the main event for our next event after UFC 283. Dan is coming off the most recent win. He's going to lead things off in the first fight. Light heavyweight bout, Daewun Jung and Devin Clark.
0: Oh, wow. Hmm.
1: That's super random. (laughs) It's a co-main. It's a weak card,
3: but we're going to go co-main and main on it.
1: I mean, Devin Clark has just been on a downward, downward spiral. As I pull up his topology. Um oh I guess he does have that William Knight win. Uh, but it's William Knight. That guy is, should not be fighting at light heavyweight. Manny Fields um, a decent win. Yeah, I mean that's back in 2020. That's it, that's a it's a that's we had a lot of different opinions of Devin Clark going into the Anthony Smith fight than uh, leaving it at least for me. Um, I've got to expect Dion Young to be a favorite here. Um, although he's coming off of that bad Dustin Jacoby loss, Devin Clark's just been, like I said, on that downward spiral and hasn't beat a regular sized light heavyweight in three years. So let's go down jung minus one sixty-five. Hmm. Man, I'm not confident there. I don't know if you can yeah, read that in go- my voice, but
2: it, 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 this is could go either way, dude. Cause I'm I'm gonna go under you, and the main reason is because Dao Jung has not proven to be able to defend the takedown. He's not proven to be able to utilize his gas tank. Hashtag the Sam Alvey fight. So I'll go under you. I'll go Daun Jung minus 145. I'll give you room. But I also, on the flip side, could see this being way higher than 165. I just am more comfortable shading under on, on either of these guys. They're not necessarily – either of them are world beaters. So I'll go Da jong minus 145. 250
3: open today. That's where it sits, Daunjong.
1: There's some value on that brown. Yeah, board.
2: there is. There's a lot. Nice point, Dan. There's a lot of value, actually, on that one, in my opinion. Well, you'll have the
3: opportunity. I to must jump be at missing
1: it. something about that.
3: Um, let's go to the main event heavyweight
2: bout: Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak. Reese. Um,
1: this is interesting because how much has it moved since we broke this one down for the Lewis Spivak main event that got canceled Fight Night? Oh
3: geez, I don't even remember that. Ooh, I forgot that one too.
2: Would y'all rather do it or skip it?
1: I, I mean, I could. I've got a decent idea of what I think it is.
2: I don't even remember that we even did this one before, but I, I would defer to Dan. Maybe we guess it, but we don't count it. Sure.
1: Speedback was getting up there, like minus two hundred, minus. That's I actually twenty five.
2: I was about to guess that. I literally was going to say speedback minus two hundred. Two o five is
3: speedback yeah. right now. Yeah. All right. Good news is I have a few more that we can roll through right now because. Fights just got announced yesterday that we haven't even talked on. Um, Let's go first to a welterweight bout. This is going to be the co-main. It's on the main card of UFC 284. My boy, Jack Della Madalena and Randy Brown. And by the way, boys, this one got announced yesterday. So what, Wednesday the 18th? I'm just doing this so you guys can jump on this number. Well... All right. Well, I don't
2: want to spoil the whole you lot. You are. Here. You already did. You already did. You already
1: did. I mean, we, we know Jack Delamito, JDM is going to be a significant. I was going to
2: say, I was going to say 340. I'm guessing because of Kobe's reaction and our ability to jump on it. I'm going to say uh lane
1: 240. Oh, I, I perceived his comment as that it's already moving. Um, So I'll, I'll take your 340.
0: 240, 340? Yeah. 300. Oh, man, that's one day of movement. Ope, what what did
2: it open open at?
1: 200. Okay. Okay, so we got to jump on this. let uh, I'm going to open up my Bad MMA tips right now.
0: I wonder how much higher it's going to get, though.
1: I can go three to win one on Jack Delamata it comfortably.
0: It's already a oh, Really? Not yeah. That comfortable. Um,
1: the three
3: unit bet, no matter what. Interim featherweight title also on the line at UFC 284. This is the co-main: Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett.
1: Dan, lead this Ooh. one off. That is incredibly fun. Yair, in, dynamic. Um, Emmett, Emmett's been incredibly profitable. Uh, but I don't know how, how confident you've been as a backer of him in, in, in any of those fights um, before the hands have been raised. I have to imagine Yair's going to be the favorite. He's coming off that uh, Ortega shoulder injury, which didn't really get to show exactly who he was, but even in that loss to Holloway, he looked really impressive. Um, and like I said, Emmett's kind of been – with this streak he's been on, he's not doing anything. Um, he's not shutting up the doubters, is all I'm trying to say. And I think that people are still doubting. I think is going to be the favorite. It's not going to be huge. Yair minus one fifty-five.
0: Yeah,
2: you're right on it. I'm going to go a little higher. Uh, uh, my line coming in when when Kobe announced it, like the second he said it, I my in my head I just go Yair minus one sixty-five. So I'll stick firm with that. I think that Yair is the better striker. I think that that's the only place this fight can take place. And I think that Yair is elusive enough and talented enough to, to stay away from Emmett's bombs. Emmett lost three rounds or 2.9 rounds against Michael Johnson. And Yair had a good performance, a better performance in Cater against Holloway. The striking parallels are different here, so I'll hedge on the over on that one. I'll, I'll go one sixty-five, Yair. One forty-one, Yair. I'm probably going to actually take Yair after this at one forty. That's
0: is that a, a point, I'm, Poha. I'm, point yeah, Poha
2: DK. But I'm I'm comfortable with the IR at one forty. Like that's a if you're listening to this now,
0: I'm without even taping. I'm comfortable at Yair minus one forty. I like that a lot, actually.
2: Um, I'm, willing night, I'm willing to bet come fight night. I'm on to bet come fight night. Yeah, you get shades into the 180s. I would bet it.
3: We're getting this one at open. It's another title fight just announced today. Women's flyweight Valentina Shevchenko against Alexa Grasso. Mm. This one will be the first point available to the next game. Danny takes a two-one lead.
1: Valentina is not going to be a dog.
0: We know that. So it's while I, while I pull that
1: up, let's uh, start um, thinking about how high we're going to go with this. Because although open. Bullet looked beatable against Tyler Santos, Alexa Grasso is not Tyler Santos. Um, I do see, I do think that we'll see maybe it not be as high as the Tyler line. So I'll go opening Valentina minus 500.
0: Since it just opened, and I know there's going to be a ton of steam on
2: it, I'm going to go under Dan. I'm going to say Valentina minus 485. She's looked beatable against uh, Santos. Slash, she probably got beat. She looked beatable against Jennifer Maya. However, I do think there's one girl.
1: She looked beatable for like two and a half minutes against Jennifer Myan. The rest uh, of that fight I, was try not two and a half
2: close. Try two and a half rounds. Dude, I got Jennifer, I got Valentina Shevchenko minus 120 live. Think about that. Um, but the big takeaway for me is there's two girls I believe have the skill set. I mean, obviously Tali Santos, but I think the one who really dethrones Valentina is Tatiana Suarez. So that that's coming for her. I think that this is going to be an easy, not an easy victory, another victory for Valentina. I just think that Dan's pre-steam, the steam is yet to
3: come. So I don't even know if I mentioned it, but this is UFC 285 in March. It's going to be the co-main on the John jones Cyril God fight in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And ding, 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 500 Valentina Shevchenko.
1: Come on. I'm on one right now. fucking garbage.
0: Also, this is nuts, but I just went to
2: Tapology for the 285 card, and it says it actually is a co-main event, and it's called Unconfirmed Rumor. Literally says Unconfirmed Rumor in the co-main event slot, and it says Amanda Nunes versus Rene Aldana.
3: So that was talked about before Valentina got announced. I think that that's going to be pushed now.
2: Okay.
1: That's also an awesome fight. Shout out to Mexico.
2: Bo Nickel, Jamie Pickett, and Shavkat Rachmanov, Jeff Neal, are on this card.
1: This is going to be a sweet card.
2: Derek Bronson versus Duplicy is also on this card.
1: Cody Garbrandt, shout out
2: to Mexico. That can be our transition to
3: UFC 283. I I don't remember who tweeted it. I'm going to feel bad not giving credit. But we're in like a primetime Mexico UFC MMA era. Between Alexa Grasso, Brandon Moreno, Raul Rosas on the rise.
1: Yeah. Irene Aldana, we just mentioned. Irene Aldana, just mentioned. Mexico's Ortega, got – I mean, I know he's hurt. Yair Rodriguez, we just talked about. Fighting for a title. Guys. Dude, Mexico's got some beasts. All right,
2: let's start it. UFC 283. Let's get into it, man. That is in Rio de Janeiro
3: this Saturday, the 21st. 5 p.m. Central prelims, 9 p.m.
2: Central main card. I love it. I'm ready for it. So let's get after it. It is a pay per view. So new pay per view price. Looks like we got 15 fights. New pay per view price. Yeah, it's going up five bucks from like 74.99 to 79.99. I think. Okay. Daniel Marcos takes on Simon Simon Oliveira. Simon Oliveira is minus 145. Daniel Marcos plus 125. And it opened at Oliveira plus 135. Daniel Marcos minus 155. So flipped on ahead.
1: Talk to me, Daniel. This is one I've gone back and forth. Um, ultimately, is going to be a pass. But Simon, we got a little bit familiar with when we taped for Tony Gravely. Um, mm-hmm. Tony Gravely, friend of the podcast smoked him I mean took him down 10 12 times with the same takedown uh Simon went for that guillotine a couple of times a lot, which yeah, admittedly is really really dangerous and uh he's gotten that like 5 6 times in his career so I I don't blame him um but ultimately he showed that Tony was just a little bit too much for him um and the and the other thing for me is that he he showed that his kickboxing wasn't all that great um i know that tony as a boxer was able to really have a lot of success up on the feet and that's where i think that this fight is going to play out i think that marcos um who is a good kickboxer is going to be able to stuff the takedowns from simon um and and keep this fight standing and i do think he has the better volume and power although he lacks the experience and and so ultimately i wanted to back simon this week um I don't think I will. If the price keeps on moving, you can find me on Marcos um, because it came down to the questions of who wins in a striking battle for me? Who's cardio is better? Uh, and I just wasn't sure who is who. It's almost like a coin flip for me. And so if that price keeps on moving, I'll gladly take two to one money on a coin flip, but it's just not where I'm at right now.
2: Yeah, here, here's I'm in a similar vein and I have gone back and forth on this one ultimately going to be a pass for me and it's ultimately because I haven't seen enough out of Daniel Marcos to prove to me that it won't hit the mat because I think you're right on the fact that if it does stay standing which is a likely outcome I think Marcos will be there tit for tat with Simon Oliveira if not getting the better of him However, I think that if it if it clinches, like you said, the guillotine's always there. Olivera is very, very good jujitsu. And he even is a kickboxer in his own right, which is interesting. So well rounded. I just think that when I look at at Oliveira and I look at Daniel Marcos, the reason why I can't comfortably back either of them is because of the because of how questionable it is. Like even before the contender series fight uh, Marcos took like two and a half, three years off while he was fighting in, in Peru or Mexico. And on the flip side, you got Simon Oliveira who hasn't shown as much as I wish he has shown in, in the, in the UFC. So it's ultimately a pass for me. And I also didn't have much of a read on the over under either. I think you said it perfectly. If it gets any higher, you take uh, Marcos for the flyer. If it gets like lower and crosses that 110 threshold back to closer to open, maybe you find me on Oliveira, but at this price, it's a pass. Luan Lacerda versus Cody Stamen at 135. Stamen is a whopping minus 365. Lacerda plus 300. Lined opened at Stamen minus 175, Lacerda uh, plus 150. One thing I want to mention, though, is so it opened at that on the 6th. And before it even turned the 7th, it already bounced to 260. So for all intents and purposes, it, it call the open around 260. Still, nonetheless, it's moved about 100 points. So I'm interested to hear your read, Dan, because I know you and I view Stamen differently.
1: Yeah, um, I think Stamen's a pretty well rounded fighter, not a super high volume striker, but he has decent enough counter shots and decent enough wrestling that it's, it's served him well in the past. Obviously, not against guys the level of Nurmagomedov and Marab, and uh, I mean, Jimmy Rivera is a tougher one, but um, against the guys of the caliber, the Brian Kelleher's, um, obviously, Smoke Daddy Weinland, but that's it. Different Eddie Weinland at that point in his career. Yeah. Um. I think that this is a good matchup for him, just being the better striker uh, and being the one with the wrestling to be able to dictate where the grappling takes place. Um. But Lacerda does have great jiu-jitsu, and he's really dangerous. He's got some legit wins over UFC caliber talent. Um. In the past, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he takes an arm home or gets a choke. I mean, that's how we see. Most of his wins are, are triangles or guillotines or rear nakeds. Um, but I do think that stylistically, this is a really great fight Fight for Cody, uh, knowing that he'll be comfortable to be on the feet and knowing that he'll be able to decide whether or not he'd like to grapple. So any play
2: here or pass?
1: No, this is, is another pass for me. It, yeah. It's one where the line's gotten a little bit out of whack for me, not knowing enough about Lacerda, but knowing that he's dangerous.
2: Yeah, you you kind of took the words out of my mouth. It's like there's a 90 – I mean, I don't want to give percentages because then you can just say, well, the, it's priced. But, I mean, Cody Stamen should win this. It would be honestly pretty catastrophic for him if he lost this. This would be a bad loss for him. He's a phenomenal wrestler. He's worked on his hands quite a bit. The only reason why I'm not taking it in any regard is because there's no way to play Stamen because it could be by KOTKL it could be by decisions. You can't really flex it there. And like you said, Lazerta has high, high, high level jiu- jiu-jitsu. He's fighting at home. I just imagine that there is a possibility that if Stamen does decide to implement his wrestling, which he might do, I mean, he's a wrestler by trade, that Lazerta could get something off. I think that most likely it stays standing. Most likely Cody can control where it goes. Most likely Cody Stamen wins. It's just the because his opponent is dangerous enough to get a quick finish is the reason why ultimately I don't even think it'll find a parlay for me. So this Shout one, out
1: to the matchmakers, though. There's a Brazilian and at least one half of every single fight. I love it. Also shows how fat their roster is full of uh,
2: Brazilians. There's so many, and they're all so good too, which is the best part.
1: And the only fights
2: that have two Brazilians facing each other, are the short notice replacements. <laughs> Insane. Josiane Nunes versus Zara Farn. And this one's interesting, Dan, I really want your opinion here. So Josiane Nunes is minus 540. Zaria Farn is plus 420. This opened at Nunes minus 325. And I want to take the lead on this because I have an interesting read on this. So anyone who's familiar with Josiana Josiana Nunes, she has a lot of power for a girl who is disgustingly undersized. She's five foot two with a sixty-seven inch reach. This fight take place at one forty-five. She genuinely has the build of someone who could fight at one twenty-five. She she consistently gives up size, so. She was able to finish Bay Malachi, who's a significantly slower striker and a significantly loopier, not as crisp of a striker as Fairn. She was able to finish her. She was able to get, go to unanimous decision with uh, Ramona Pascuela, who it was, uh, the, if you look at the size discrepancy, it's truly hilarious. And it, it, she just got the better punches off. So here, here's my read on this one. And I like it. I, I kind of like it. So zarara Farn is 36 years old. She's a kickboxer by trade. Fights out of France. And she has negative ground game. I mean, it's bad. It's bad. She's very easy to take down. And she's very easy to control and sub. Felicia Spencer, ground and pounder in the first round. It was, it was like a warm knife through butter. She shot once, got her to the mat, moved to mount, beat the shit out of her. And then Megan Anderson is a very similar story. It didn't stay standing very long, choked her out within the first round. I actually think I'm going to have a quarter of a unit to win a unit on uh, Fairn here. And the reason why is because of the style here. You got a girl in Josiane Nunes who is extremely, extremely undersized, has shown zero I don't think she's shot once in the UFC. She has had no interest in taking it to the ground whatsoever. And all of her MMA wins since the regional, not the regional scene, but pretty much regional scene where it just says win, it doesn't even tell you how, has been KOs minus the one unanimous decision. So her game plan is to find a way to get inside the distance, inside range on someone who's taller, i.e. Becky Bamelecki. Uh, Zara Farron she's five foot eight with a 73.2 inch reach I mean the size discrepancy is insane and she has crisper striking in my opinion from the tape I did see where she was on the mat I did have to go to the regional scene but she's a lot crisper than someone like Maleki. I think that you can't put a full unit on it because Zara Farron has very limited tape you don't know if she has a gas tank. You don't know if she will quit, if it doesn't go her way. You don't know. There's a lot of questions. I mean, she's 36 years old and she's 0-2 in the UFC. However, and I love Josiane Nunez. She's a beast. However, there's, your, there's nothing, Danny, that you can say right now that will make me think that Farron is not value here at plus 420. She's got so much size and she's a striker by trade, and she is fighting a disgustingly undersized striker who is not shot for a takedown. I think that there's there's value to be had here.
1: Yeah, the only thing I have to add is that this fight was scheduled and, and booked um, for Josianne's debut. Uh, Fair and Miss Waite, but to show you how much value that Reese is talking about, that fight was priced at minus 135, Josiane Nunez. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't even know now, that. Now, and that was down at bantamweight, so now at featherweight, uh, weight that obviously Sarah is going to have a lot easier time making. Um, that that should only show the chasm and in, in physicality that you were talking about um, even more.
2: Yeah, and if you want to see the comparison I'm talking about, just go to ESPN if you have uh, ESPN Plus and watch a Baya Maleki fight, and then watch just the first couple minutes of the Felicia Spencer fight. Before it gets to the mat and when they're both on their feet, they're similar size and one and and Zara's a better striker. So you have you basically have a significant rangier kickboxer by trade against a significantly shorter power puncher who needs to close the distance. So if 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 fairn can in use in the bigger any, cage. Yeah. So if Farn can use any bit of her range. I think she could outpoint this or even get the finish. So I really like the 420. And yeah, I think the Sharps have this one wrong because the, the line's been smashed in the opposite direction. Um, so I actually will find myself there. That's my first official play of the evening. Worley Alves taking on Nicholas Dalby at, at 170. And the line here is Warley Alves minus 125, Nicholas Dalby plus 105. And it's kind of been in that range. It opened at 110 each way. It got to uh, Nicholas Dalby being a sizable favorite, like the minus 160 range right off the the rip. And then it's just basically slowly come back down until Warley's find himself as the favorite. So seems to be mixed over here. Um, I do
1: have a play here, but I'll let you go first. This one's hard for me at it, at his best really is levels above Nicholas Dalby, at least for me. Um, but at his worst, he loses as as big favorites. And I almost think that in all three of these losses, Jeremiah Wells, Randy Brown, and James Krause, yeah, he's above a minus 150 favor. I guess the Randy Brown's right at minus 150, but excuse me, minus 240 for Jeremiah Wells. And Minus over three hundred for James Krause. Um, he's not a guy that you, you can set your clock to. He, he's a little bit hit or miss. Um, I do think that this is a great opponent for him. An aging thirty-eight-year-old Nicholas Dalby, who is pretty all all around, well-rounded, um, but it's just no. I, I don't think that he can grapple or strike better than uh, Worley Alves. In round one, uh, Warley's explosive, a much better grappler. He starts extremely fast. Um, and against a guy in Dolby who I, I haven't seen dig that deep recently. Um, I think it's a good matchup. So you're, are you on Warley or now? I don't love the way the line has moved given how hit or miss he is. I wish I had gotten it when he was a dog. Yeah. Um, uh, So I'm going to wait and see mode. So I actually have a play for you that I like quite
0: a bit. It's this fight not to go to decision. So before I saw the line, I thought
2: this would be priced in the minus 200 range. I thought it was going to be all over it. Um, It's not. Under two and a half is minus 120. Not to go to decision is minus 150. I like that extra two and a half minutes. But here's my breakdown here. Warley Alves is beyond explosive, insanely explosive, and really powerful leg kicks, really bad defense, and you see it in every fight he's been in. He he won via liver kick against Lazaz, ridiculous leg kicks. He tripled up on him, phenomenal. Lost to Jeremiah Wells, lost to Randy Brown via triangle, lost to James Crow. Everyone is finished, finish, finish, finish. finish. On the flip side, you have a guy in Nicholas Dalby who only gets decisions. However, he has phenomenal cardio and pacing. And he showed that against the Claudio Silva. He lost the first round and Silva gas and he just put it on him, put it on him, put him on him, put him on him. He put it on Daniel Rodriguez and got a W there, believe it or not. And he also got like subbed by Jesse Ronson. So it's not like he only goes to decision. My thought process is I watched Warley Alves quit against uh, Randy Brown. He basically blew his gas tank in the first round, came out in the second round, and basically let Randy Brown sub him. You you watch it happen, and it's like the slowest triangle ever. And then the concierge like, oh, it's not in. And then Warley just insta-taps because he he was gassed. So I think this makes for a great play where – Warley could finish Dalby in the first round easily easily but i think that Dalby could finish Warley in the second or the third easily due to the fact that Warley Alves is all or nothing boom right out the gate and Dalby is more high pace high velocity so i i don't trust either of these gentlemen is the big problem i don't trust Warley to stay within himself and I don't trust Dolby to not get subbed by Jesse Ronson in the first round. Like if Warley does decide to shoot and take it to the mat, Dalby could be fucked. If Warley decides to keep it standing, Dalby could be fucked. I don't like playing either side because I've seen that you can't trust Warley Alves, but I really like the fight to end inside the distance.
1: Tell me I'm not. Yeah, crazy. I, I, you're not crazy. Um, and I think in that same vein, I, you were dancing around that this point, but if you're on the Dolby side, It feels like a good opportunity to wait and play it live. Elvis is going to start fast. And uh, we've seen Dolby take control in later in in previous fights. Could not agree more.
2: I think that if you look at this first round, I think you should star on your card, potential live spot. I think that if you look at this first round and it's 10-9 Warley or even 10-8 Warley, I think you hop on that Dolby side, depending on the price, because... There definitely is a is a gas take discrepancy here.
1: Yeah, depending on how Warley looks walking back to the stool. That too. Yeah.
2: Very interested to hear your take on this one. Ismail Bon versus uh Terrence McKinney taking place at 155. Terrence McKinney is minus 125, Bon 105. And this has been flipping, flip-flopping over that, that zero line quite a bit. So it opened at Terrence McKinney minus 130, where it sits today. It did get to him at Minus 115 for a little bit, even as, as low as him, minus 110. And now it's come back to minus 130. I'm very interested to hear your take on this one, Dan.
1: Yeah, I mean, McKinney's a really exciting fighter. Uh, you star him for a potential performance of the night, potential fighter of the night every time you see him on a card. Um, and it's because he starts at 100 and he keeps that face until the fight ends. However, the fight may end, whether that's him getting a knockout him getting a submission or him getting finished. Usually his fights don't see the third round. Um, He's got real power in his hands, especially that straight left hand. Um, Good offensive wrestling. Um, I I think that although his style is conducive to winning bonuses, it's not conducive to making a run um, or putting a streak together. And Ismael, although he's making his UFC debut, He's a guy who's got a lot of experience. He's got decent boxing. He works well behind his jab, walks forward constantly, uh, has the cardio to back it up along with good footwork. Um, I do think that if he doesn't go out of there, and then there's no reason that I have to believe that he's super chinny, he's going to chip away and win as this fight goes on. This is another one I have earmarked uh, for a potential live betting spot. Mm -hmm. If I even get that position, um, some McKinney fights – and I wouldn't be surprised if this happens if McKinney smokes him in the first round um, or gets smoked. Some McKinney fights you can't live bet at all because they end. But yeah. almost um, every one. I, yeah, I am leaning on that Ismail side to survive, maybe looking at the over. You know, I like that uh, puckered butt cheek overs. Um, you're getting good plus money on the over one and a half here.
2: Yeah. So I had a similar problem. I, I imagine that there wouldn't be a spot here on the under, but I kind of liked it because of McKinney's fight style. I was right. This is, but this one's priced way differently. It's like minus three forty. It doesn't go to decision. Mm-hmm. So my first instinct as a gambler, and Dan, you are a very sharp gambler, so I'm sure you had a similar instinct. Was this line is a little low? I thought that this is a trap spot for Bonfim. I feel like Terrence McKinney being minus one twenty five after all of his highlight reel knockouts, especially with the public being a fan favorite of his, I was shocked by the line. I dug into the, dug into the numbers a little bit, and now I'm concerned because I found myself on McKinney or nothing. And the reason why is because Bonfim, probably the actually definitely the less talented of the two Bonfim brothers. Um, He's the older one. Though. He is older. I was mm-hmm. not impressed with what I saw from his striking i really wasn't it lacks power um he's not as crisp as i wanted to he does work leg kicks well he does have a decent iq but he's flat footed I, I wasn't as impressed as i thought i would be when watching the contender series back when i watched terrence mckinney he's speed advantage mckinney by a by a by a big margin accuracy mckinney a pretty big margin power mckinney pretty big margin the reason why i don't know if i'm going to get myself on it dan is because of a i i don't know why it's priced where it's priced i think it should be a lot closer to mckinney minus 170 minus 180 so i feel like it's a trap the other reason why i don't want to be on is because i don't trust mckinney we've seen him gas i feel like you only get one round out of him before he's gone And I haven't heard him say anything in media or anything anywhere to really acknowledge that fact and show that, yeah, I'm working on that. I I know I gas, but I mean, wrestling advantage, McKinney, top pressure, McKinney, submission, McKinney, Um, striking. I mean, McKinney's just better. In my opinion, I I just, from everything I saw, McKinney's just better. I just, I don't know why it's priced as such. I, I was hoping that you would have a, you could explain it to me because I don't, I don't want to find myself on a trap fish side, and I know the public's going to be on McKinney,
1: but I don't get why I would take Bonfim here. I, I think it's just what you said. You only get one round from McKinney. Mm-hmm. So are you
2: taking the over? or are No, you this is another over? one
1: I just have earmarked to live. I, I think that, okay. if, if, that but you, if round one ends, I'll be on Bonfim going to the stool.
2: Yeah, and, and I looked at a potential like McKinney inside the first round, not barely any more value. I think you have McKinney minus 130, and inside the first round is him minus like 110. Like it's pretty much like that's mental. I might need to watch some interviews. I, I hope
1: someone's going to start fast in front of this Brazilian live crowd. Yeah. Like I, I know. I, just,
2: I wish we were we, we, ankle pickers, rap media, because I would just ask him point blank, and I would say, have you addressed your gas tank problems? Because I need to know this. I might DM him on Instagram see if he says shit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I might find myself on a unit on McKinney. I just feel like a fish doing it. Chalton Almeida, take it on Shamil Akimov, 265. Line is exactly what you'd think it is. Uh, it's Chalton Almeida, minus 1,000 across the board. Best price is actually DraftKings, minus 975. Shamil Akimov plus 675. Uh, and frankly, for me, it's just untouchable. I will say, Gileton inside the distance is. Um, so, Gileton by KOT KO is plus 225. Gileton by sub is minus 175. Gileton inside the distance is minus 450. Fight to go over one and a half is plus 240. Um, I, I don't like anything here. I'm just going to... I thought the KO,
1: isn't isn't so bad of a price compared to how everything else is is priced. Maybe yeah. a sprinkle there, but Maybe. won't be on my track, please.
2: Yeah, I think that if you're looking at this, you should just enjoy what Gileson's going to bring to the table because it's going to be a mauling. Watch someone who is teasing light heavyweight and probably should be at light heavyweight just dismantle somebody in, in front of your eyes. Um, very impressive talent. And I would be shocked if at some point he doesn't at very least challenge for
1: gold. So I agree. Yeah. Um, ultimately I have to say it. there's heavyweights, big game of punch face lines, a little bit big for my liking. Uh, there's probably value on the other side. You don't get rich betting against Jalton. Yeah. You don't get rich getting the, Namaga Medals is what I was trying to say.
2: Right, but I get But so my thing is I threw a couple values out last week and it cost me my card. And, and I, it was a lesson that I wanted to go into 2023 not doing and I did it anyways. And I think I went like 0-3 or 0-4 on like plus two, like a quarter unit on some on big value. And I felt like I got my value while watching, but it doesn't matter. A losing ticket is a losing ticket. So remember that if you're thinking about Rip and Shamil even though that would be the side if I had to place a wager. Gabriel Bonfim taking on Munir Laziz and, or Lazez, I think it's Lazez. And Munir Lazez is plus 140, Gabriel Bonfim minus 165. This line opened at Gabriel Bonfim minus 140, uh, Lazez plus 120. So it's come up a little bit, not a lot. And I expected this line to be higher but I'm very intrigued Dan, at what you see in this match because I am can I guess I'm'm I'm, I'm on the fence here so I want to hear your opinion first because you could
1: sway me I'm I've always been a little bit more of a Laz guy than you are and so I think I, that I've
2: come around to Liz a little bit he's Chris okay he's so he's I... the head he's the head kickboxing and striking coach for team Noguera. Mm-hmm. one of the team of Garrett camp. So his striking is as good as they come. It's more, do you have a good read on Bonfim? That was my problem.
1: I don't have the best read on either of these Bonfims. Um, but from what I've seen, Gabriel is not as good of a technical kickboxer nearly as was, as is um, Bonfim is going to move forward aggressively, uh, try and work that jab, but ultimately try and get takedowns close to the distance and, and, grapple Lizez, because I don't think that he stands a chance in a kickboxing match. Um, And I think that Lizez just knows, I think he's ready for that. I I think that he's in the bigger cage, going to be able to use his footwork well, um, keep his distance, stay on the feet, stay on his feet while Bonfim tries to close that distance, mix up those head and body attacks, and really just pick off Bonfim at range. And I like this dog price for him. Won't be a slam play, but I, I do think that I like Liz in this spot.
2: My question for you is, and not to take the question role, but what's your opinion on bomb themes ground game and on the flip side on Liz's ability to keep it standing because we've seen Yvonne flume on the contender series. It was impressive. We've seen a, uh, a Dar's choke on LFA which, by the way, I bumped your Fight Pass login, so thank you. But that's kind of my concern here is, if this is a kickboxing match, you're going to cash that ticket almost guaranteed. My question is, does Lazez have the ability to keep it standing? Slash, is Bonfim going to be able to implement his game plan?
1: I think that the big cage will p- play a significant factor here. And I think that Liz's footwork will be a little bit too much for Gabriel to really put the trap on um, and get him with his back against the cage and, and get his hands on him. I think that ultimately probably will happen at a, a time or two, but not for a round or so until Munier starts to slow down for me.
2: Do you foresee yourself placing on this one?
1: I do foresee myself on this one. Um, I'm still if, in a wait and see, but I like the Lizette side.
2: If you lock it in, shoot me a text because I think that I, I, I might tail the I, I So when I said I was on the fence, it was exactly the questions I asked you. Do you think it can stay standing? Do you think Lizette can implement his game plan? If, the fa- if that is a yes, I want to be on the side of Lizette, especially as a dog. Um, Tiago Moises, he, and he's got a short-notice replacement Cause uh, Gronga Tatalatze could not make it. And he's fighting <laughs> Costa country club. Do you have topology in front of your face? Do you want to give that one a whirl? Cause I am not good at no habla inglés. Melchizedel. Melchizedel. So Melchizedel so Costa against Tiago Moises and Costa finds himself at a pretty big, Dog, if I remember correctly, yeah, he's plus three hundred. Uh, Moisés minus three sixty-five. It opened at three hundred for Moisés, so it's come up a little bit. It is a short notice replacement, so the line hasn't been available as long as the others. But Dan, I mean, we're familiar with Moisés. We actually, at least I did. I don't remember if you were with me, but I liked him in a spot against Alvarez. He drastically underperformed. He made it four rounds with Islam and and relatively had his, held his own, but. I think what's more important is you go back and you see, you know, the unanimous decision against Dariush, the unanimous decision against Ziznogulov. Although their losses, he was there. I, I enjoyed watching those fights mm-hmm. back. And he has wins over Bobby Green, Alexander Hernandez, Mike Johnson. Like, the ankle lock on Mike Johnson is sweet, especially for the podcast. So, it's like, we know what we're dealing with. Th- Thiago Moises is very talented. The question is, what do we have on the other side in, in, in Kostas? It, he has one LFA performance. The rest is all regional. And he is on a bit of a win streak. Um, He had a couple suffered a lot of losses early on in his career on a bit of a win streak, but the records are definitely to question. Um, His most recent win is over a 12 and five guy. But before that, you got a 12 and 11, 10 and five, you know, so it's, I, I want to know your read, or if you have a read on Costa, and if you have a lean here, because the price is expensive. I've got
1: Costa as a dangerous striker, uh, a lot of experience on paper, but like you said, it's just not the highest level. Um, I think if the fight stays standing for 15 minutes, he's got a shot, but he's just not on Tiago Moises' level when it comes to mixing in the grappling, and, and Moises really is that skilled when it comes to the grappling. Yeah, he's um, You mentioned the performances against Dariush and Ismogulav and uh, Makachev. Those might be three of the highest level grapplers in the world um, in terms of MMA and he's held he's hanging with them holding his own um I I like this as a parlay piece I'm not going to really get cute with it I do think Moises gets this one done um easily
2: so who's more likely to win uh Cody Stamen or Thiago Moises if you had to pick one
1: I've got Moises significantly more more likely
2: okay because they're priced similarly, and I I see it similarly, where there's dangers on the other side, but the other the 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 UFC vet is is talented in his own right. Gregory Robocop Rodriguez, after the after the vicious third eye Mike Wazowski looking motherfucker, is taking on Bruno Ferreira at uh 185. The line here is Gregory Rodriguez minus three hundred five, Bruno Ferreira plus two fifty five. Uh, Rodriguez opened at minus four hundred, so it has come off a little bit. It opened at minus four hundred on the eleventh. It ended up getting to minus three thirty on the eleventh, and and it's it plateaued a little bit. And it's it's come back to three twelve as we get closer to fight night. So, I guess I I do want to hear your breakdown. The only thing I want to say or preface with is. One of my big takeaways is the scarring for Gregory Rodriguez after the gruesome injury is still there. It really wasn't that long ago, and I am worried. It's it's right in between his eyes, and so I do fear that what if, um, what if it, it, it open up and, and and leaks. So that that was one fear of mine for paying the three hundred five is just that I saw significant scarring. I don't know if you see that to be an issue because you do have a very, very dangerous striker on the other side, which is why I wanted to mention it.
1: Yeah, it definitely could be. Um, Ultimately, I'm between a pass or or just a classic pucker play with the over of two dangerous guys, Mm. one and a half sitting at plus money. We've seen how durable uh, Gregory Rodriguez is. And with the cut, I don't think that it's going to be a seven and a half minute thing. I think that if the cut, plays into it that's towards the end of the second round or in in the third um but going back to what we just asked um kind of going through the moises fight it's similarly lined to moises and stamen um but this is one where i could see rodriguez going down much easier than both of those guys um he loves to bang that can be really fun to watch as a fan back and forth entertaining fights but he doesn't have the best striking defense. He's got a lot of scar tissue. Um, I don't expect him to have a educated, dominant game plan ready. I expect him to go out there and bang with a, with a dangerous, dangerous striker in Bruno Ferreira. Um, and that's why I'm ultimately probably not going to end up on my pucker play. But uh, this, is a, this is one I'm comfortable staying away from in all kinds of parlays or, or anything. I, I love watching me some RoboCop. I will not be backing him against his fellow Brazilian. Yeah.
2: I think that the the value would be on Ferreira. And I also love Robocop. And he's lived by the sword, died by the sword, and you gotta respect it. I mean, he's finishing Marquez, finishing Chidi, finishing Jung Park, uh, finishing Fremd. I mean, the list goes on and on. He's also getting finished by Jordan Williams, who's no longer in the UFC. Um, so you, you have a guy that's talented, wants to strike, strike. his grappling's good, doesn't, doesn't like to use it for some reason. Um, but my big thing is if if Ferreira lands a couple bombs or works the jab, you, do you see Rodriguez split? Do you see he compromises vision? It's just, if, if, if let's say six months down the line or a year down the line, you got RoboCop at like a closer to even money, you can run the risk. But paying three to one, the last thing you want is for him to split open on a jab, and now you are paying minus three hundred on a guy you can't fucking see. So I, I'm on Ferreira or pass. I'm probably passing because Robocop's just too dangerous to fade. But I think that you would have a tough time convincing me to lay, to lay Robocop's juice. I think even in a parlay, you got to ask yourself if if he's going to be compromised in any way. So just a. Fair, uh, you're no play for you.
1: No play there. Sweet.
2: Shogun Hua, Mauricio Shogun Hua against Eor Patoria, and the line here is Patoria minus two hundred five, Hua plus one seventy five. Open to Patoria minus two forty, and has come down a little bit. Dan, come down. What what, what are we doing here? I mean, I I know what I'm doing here, and it's Patoria or pass, and it's no disrespect to Shogun whatsoever. He's a uh, first ballot hall of famer, in my opinion, but he's 41 years old and he is slow and he does not have great cardio. And he is not, I mean, he went to a draw with Paul Craig, then lost to Paul Craig, then lost to OSP, then had a horrible, horrible, slow split decision against big nog or little nog. It's, it's just not it. And he, in his prime, loved Shogun, always gave a great fight, has wins over Loyola Machida, beat Chuck Liddell, beat Mark Coleman, beat Overeem. I mean, he was a fucking beast, dude. Beat Ke- Kevin Randleman. I mean, he he has it all. He's a great guy to go back and watch the highlights of. But a 41-year-old on a two-fight losing streak, facing a guy who's 26 and has proven to be competent enough, I think that if I was going to play, it would be Petoria. However. And most importantly, um, I'm not going to place it officially because of the fact that I don't trust Vittoria enough.
1: Yep, really nothing to add. It's it's not a good recipe to be 40 years old, 40 plus as a uh, slow striker. So my question for you,
2: if you did tape this one, is can Shogun implement
1: his game plan on the mat? For me, that's a no. I, I'm staying away from this one. Um, okay. I don't like betting against Shogun Hua. Um, and like you said, Poeira is just unproven. Um, yeah.
2: And and under – or fight doesn't go to decision is minus 260. There's no play there. I doubt it sees the scorecards, but at 260, I, I don't know
0: if it's worth even teasing that. Yeah, I think – What do we have um, – Is
1: there a uh, fight ends in round? No, never mind. I don't want to look at all this. I'm not playing any of those cues. There. Okay,
2: yeah. I'm not even going to tempt you. I'm not even going to you. Stay yeah. disciplined, people. Stay disciplined. I was,
1: going, I was going to make an attempt just now, but this, this is a disciplined Danny in 2013. Attaboy. 2023. Attaboy. Jesus, what is tonight?
2: We're going for record. We're going for record units. Paul Craig, Johnny Walker at 205. Johnny Walker finds himself at minus 195, plus 165 on the return for Paul Craig. Johnny Walker opened at minus 150 and has gotten some love from backers, man. He really has.
0: Let me hit you with this. I like Johnny Walker. He's proven since changing
2: camps that he is very dedicated to being disciplined and reinventing himself. Look good against Kutalaba. He looked good against Santos, even though he
0: lost. I was very impressed with his ability to endure. Paul Craig is so fucking
2: dangerous if he has a grip on you that it is, it feels impossible to bet against him. Yet we do every time. I bet against, I took Vulcan. It was the easiest ticket we cashed. We ankle lock Vulcan. But we also ankle out Krylov and Krylov fucking went into his guard like an idiot. So I imagine, I imagine that Johnny Walker will keep it standing, keep it at range in the bigger cage. And if he drops Paul Craig and Paul Craig lays in his back, that, that, that Johnny Walker will not enter the guard. I, if Kavanaugh lets him enter the guard, I would be shocked. However, can you lay that amount of juice on someone who's proven to make dumb decisions and has proven to potentially sacrifice himself for entertainment? I, I'm, I'm curious your take here because I don't, there's no scenario where I'm on Paul Craig. He's striking his shit and you are relying on sub or boss. And, and that's no disrespect to Paul Craig. He's cashed me a ton of tickets. Not in this spot. Not in this spot. I don't like it in this spot. Where are you at on this one? Because it's
1: interesting. You have the two polar. I'm fading Paul Craig. I I know that, like you said, it makes you uncomfortable. Um, One-dimensional fighters should not have success at the highest levels of any division. Um, And I know that Johnny Walker is not the Johnny Walker that he was projected to be when he burst onto the scene. Um, But he is an athletic specimen. He is an extremely dangerous striker. Um, and as if he does not play Paul, Paul Craig's game, it's his fight to lose. Like you said, we, we bet against Paul Craig a whole lot. It's been an up and down game. Ultimately, I do think water finds its level. Um, and Paul Craig's due for a losing streak with the winning streak that he's been on.
2: Do you think we're getting value on Johnny Walker due to the fact that Paul Craig ripped the arm off the head, the headline champion, Jamail Hill? And that is 100%.
1: Yeah. 100%. I think that anyone breaking down that fight or this fight this week has to mention it. Um,
2: it's going to be in the promos. It's going to be, but it's, it's also
1: telling that that happened less than two years ago. And, uh, Jamal Hill is fighting for the belt right now. And Paul Craig with what one loss, um, has been nowhere near it.
2: Yeah. I just think that when you get to a guy as dynamic, I mean, I think that it's impossible to take inside the distance, even though Paul Craig's proven to be chinny, Alonzo hammer Hammerfist comes to mind. I know Alonzo Mennefield's a beast of a human, but Hammerfist is hard to TKO anybody. So it's hard to take the finish. But if Johnny Walker takes the Vulcan ozdemir game plan, there's zero reason why he should lose this bout. The other question I have, yeah. Dan, you would know better than me. What is Walker's uh, grappling credentials? Is he, is he a, a- Never problem? been sub? So, but I don't is, know about he, credentials on paper, but never been okay. subbed. Okay. I will Actually, can we get our stats department on that? Uh, Kobe, can you try to find out what uh, level of jiu-jitsu Johnny Walker is? And I know that if you click into fight details on, on uh, fightodds.io, it, it sometimes tells you their credentials if you want to try to go there. Sorry, I,
1: I, I just lied right there. He, he got subbed in 2015 at heavyweight by Clinton and Brave. Never been oh, subbed at middleweight.
2: Yeah, the only thing I have to say is – what <laughs> <laughs> that was regional scene it's in a break. okay samurai FC yeah what the fuck all right so that was the first fight in the main card I didn't mention that next fight on the main card Jessica Andrade against Lauren Murphy Dan I actually have a play in this one too and I'm curious to run it by you I'll let you break this one down first because Andrade is obviously our girl she's fighting at home and you are out of anybody the perennial fate of Lauren Murphy. You scream fraudulent oh. whenever she gets close.
1: To yeah, the I, I've got. Go ahead. I've got a very predictable take. It's just Andrade being the more skilled, more strong, carrying real power, going to dominate so, this fight. I like it as a I, parlay f- piece. I don't see I how. I forgot to mention.
2: Works. I forgot to mention. It is Andrage minus minus four ninety, Lauren Murphy plus three ninety. It did open though at Andrade minus five hundred, so it's it's technically moved down, but it doesn't even really count. Um, That's why
1: I'm curious as to what your play is. But uh. so
2: so my play
0: is under two and a half plus a hundred. Now it's for one unit max, but my logic is there is no reason
2: why. Andrade shouldn't be able to get Lauren Murphy out of there. There's no reason. And so this, for me, is my attempt in betting Andrade without paying the juice. I looked at the TKO spot, which is is beyond possible. But I looked at the sub spot, and it's also beyond possible. But I believe and has consistently believed that when you look at this division, Andrade is the second best. First or second best. She's slightly worse than Shevchenko. She's slightly worse than, you know, Wei Lee. But outside of that, she's there. And so, you know, she got the standing triangle against Lemos. She beat the shit out of Cynthia Calvillo. She beat up Caitlin Dukakian, who's a very rangy striker. She gets people out of there. She She's a dog. She gets people out of there. She slammed Rose. So. I, I think the under two and a half is a safe play against a 40 year old Lauren Murphy. And I think that if Andraj goes south, if Andraj somehow manages to lose this fight, it would have to be by something freakish happening inside the distance, but to be, to call a spade a spade, this is me playing Andrade without having to pick a side or playing the minus 500 because I really like this Andrade spot.
1: I like Andrade parlay piece, throw that with Moises, minus 186. That's palatable for me.
2: I think we can add in someone else. Is
1: currently right now.
2: I think we can add in someone else. What about – what happens if totally you add in Jolton? Fan. Add in Jolton just for shits.
0: Where does that get you?
1: What is the draftings line, like minus 950? Nine, 975, 950. 143. That, to me, that's not worth not it. Worth it. Okay. Yeah, um, I think 186 is palatable. That'll that'll see my bet MMA t- tips. Um, I mean, that's available at DraftKings right now. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Cole, would you ever get the belt figured out for Johnny
2: Walker?
3: Nothing listed on Fight Odds. I, I, I can't find any of it.
2: Okay. We'll call him a black belt. So, no. I, I don't know. Whatever. He's something. Um, He also could be one of those, like, Jack Hermansons, who's a white belt but just rips people's ankles off like Gastelum. goat move um okay next fight on the main card probably uh, the fans or the ankle picks favorite fighter gilbert poha burns taking on neil magny at 170 line is burns minus 460 magny plus 370 dan i'm gonna call a spade a spade magny's value here i love gilbert burns gilbert burns is an absolute monster but neil magny's extremely extremely talented in his own right um Gilbert Burns is going to win. There's zero chance I'm paying the 460. Neil Magny is going to lose. I probably am not sprinkling the plus uh, 370. Um, Over two and a half is intriguing because I think Magny is good enough and talented enough to not get finished. But Burns is, I mean, a fucking animal on the feet and on the mat. He's just so fucking good. So ultimately it's a pass for me.
1: Yeah, I, I don't have a ton more to add. Gilbert's our guy, but like you said, Magny is a tough puzzle to solve, and this price is just a little bit too big for me. No
2: uh, fun unders or anything crazy?
1: Nothing crazy there. I mean, on fight day, with the with all the pageantry of the Brazilian show, I, I might end up on a <laughs> co sub, but... That, that's not going to be any kind of value or major play. Love it.
0: Deverson Figueiredo, Brandon Moreno, UFC
2: flyweight champion on the line. The line is Figgy. Oh, don't do it to me. It's going to do it to me. Uh they put it in the freaking futures. Last I saw. I I've was got Eddie. Brandon Moreno
1: minus 125. That is what we'll it come is. Come back on Figgy plus 105.
2: Brandon Moreno minus 125. Figgy plus 105. It opened at Brandon Moreno minus minus one eighteen, So it's actually gotten slightly worse. Um
1: what's up? I and mean, these lines won't... have always been interesting. These lines yeah. have always been interesting.
0: So just one uh, had sure, Figgy yeah. as
1: a as a really big favorite. Um then the draw which was a little controversial i had figgy there um but going to the second one where figgy lost he was a minus 190 favorite so that flipped on its head going into the trilogy fight with brandon moreno having the momentum uh you saw figgy at plus 160 um and and now we've got an even evenly lined fight i like figgy so far you and i have liked figgy in each of the three prior. I actually, um, bet,
2: I actually bet Moreno in the one where he ended up winning.
1: Okay. That's, I don't know
2: how I yeah. got there because you're right, but I actually did have that ticket. I ended up liking Moreno on the night he won, and
1: I have no idea why, and it's the best performance we've ever seen out of him. And that was all the value in the world. Um, I don't think that we have to spend too much time breaking this one down because you've got, what, like an hour of fight time to watch. Um, And we've talked about it three fucking times. Right. Figgy's got the power. Brandon's going to have the output. Um, If this stays on the feet and Figgy Lance's stuff, I see the judges giving Figgy the nod. Uh, I do think that the glory MMA situation has to be a thorn in Brandon Moreno's side, or at least a thorn in his fight camp and shouldn't be overlooked. Uh, Which is why I'm ultimately a little bit surprised that he's getting the, the love as the slight favorite, but. That being said, he has the more well-rounded skill set. And if this fight ends up being in the grappling department, I don't see Figgy getting the sub. I see Brandon being the better wrestler, the better grappler and and winning moments. Uh, So that's why the the fight is lined where it is. I think Reese and I are on the same side of giving the plus in front of the the Figgy, the guy who's, for me, one, two out of the three. Um, Yeah, let's hope he makes weight. Any he plays here? Not at the moment. Okay. I'm going to wait to see how how it keep, continues to move. Um, if some more steam comes on that Moreno side and I'm getting Figgy, like plus 120, I'll probably end up there.
0: Okay.
2: I, I could see that too. I do imagine, if anything, it crosses the other direction. Is that crazy to think? I mean, I, I – No. We'll I don't see. think it's
1: crazy. We're talking about a fight night in Brazil where the, the Brazilian – Maybe the, the most, yeah, who's two the old pound for pound Brazilian fighter in the world right now, yeah, um, I, I think the big thing is the only the
2: really decisive win, the only decisive win we've seen is on the side of Moreno, which is definitely helping because Moreno's the one who got the finish and decisively won
1: yeah, That's um, just no lie,
2: okay, main event time priced is bettable it, It's Jamal Hill. Minus uh, 140, taking on Glover Teixeira, plus 120. This opened at Jamal Hill, minus 150. So it's come back a little bit. I I, I like the Glover side initially, mainly because we watched him beat up Yuri. Um, We've watched him beat up Jan, beat up Santos, beat up Anthony Smith. I, I think that Jamal Hill, when you look at him from a, from a skill perspective, I think he's probably less talented than a couple of those names mentioned. And I, I, ju- I just think that that Glover will be able to, to enforce his and you're getting a price due to the age of Glover. Um, however, I ultimately don't
0: believe I'll be betting this and the main reason is is just that Glover has proven to be able to be hit, and and
2: I just don't want to put serious cash down on someone that could get finished at any moment against a very powerful striker. But if Glover can implement his game plan, I, I would be. I, I kind of. I I think Glover should probably be prices the favorite man. If he didn't get tapped by Yuri you watched a dominant performance.
1: Yeah, I I do think it was a dominant performance. Um, but I think that you made this point when we recap that fight, um, a lot of that had to do with it being very sloppy. Uh, and it got sloppy because the, the pace of the first two rounds and ultimately that's where Glover took control and was able to get his off on, on, on Jerry. Um, I hopped in on this one just yesterday at minus 125. I'm on Jamal Hill. I do think that this pattern of Glover getting stung eventually comes to seriously bite him. Uh, and and looking back at the, I mean, the biggest concern a lot of people have on the Jamal Hill side is how he's going to be able to handle uh, Glover's grappling. And for me, as skilled as Glover's grappling is, it's always been... more dynamic than heavy. Uh his top pressure is not his best attribute when it comes to the grappling. And a guy like Jamal Hill, who's much more athletic, uh has shown to have great get ups. He does not stay down. Um I think he's gonna spend a lot of time on the ground, even when it's brought when even when uh Glover brings him there multiple times during this fight. I'm ready for and I, I'm accepted that, that, that this fight is going to be an MMA fight. It's not just going to be one spark, Jamal Hill. Um, but I do think that Jamal is game for that kind of fight? I think he puts on a show in Brazil where he just hurts Glover early, um, but probably doesn't finish him early. And then from there, it's it's Glover's or it's Jamal's fight to control.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, we actually disagree on that. it's, it's I just think that Glover. Has competed against
2: people that are better in every attribute and is proven to be able to endure.
1: And I, I think just the think- delivery method is is also just a lot more favoring Jamal Hill versus comparing him to Yuri U- Prohaska. I should have mentioned, um, Yuri is this dangerous striker, uh, but it's a lot of dynamic striking, it's not a lot of one-two. the I think Jamal is- Hill is not going to let uh, Glover move forward as much you as don't think this is,
2: move forward you don't think this is
1: too much too quick that's definitely a big question and under the bright lights in brazil jamal hill's definitely going to be feeling the pressure like um, when you look at like i think that he's a dog though you look we talk about paul craig a lot on this episode paul craig taps a lot of people like you said yeah, no he does and, and that it, happens dangerous. is crazy jamal no, hill's the happens. kind of guy that said Fuck that. I'm not tapping. I'll fight with a broken arm until the ref said, dude, you can't fight. You have a broken arm.
2: No, for sure. I mean, I'm not going to. Jamal Hill's a monster. It's more just like when you look at the resumes and the people that Glover has gone toe to toe with. And then you spin it back and you look at people that Jamal Hill's gone toe to toe with. I mean, I've never seen Anthony Smith get beaten that badly. I've never seen. Jan Anthony
1: Smith who's not predominantly a striker had Glover on skates in those first two rounds
2: no and that's and that's why ultimately for me I'm leaving it because I think this could go either way and I think that if you run this back a hundred times you get very different results a lot of the times
1: but yeah I I don't disagree um ultimately I think that it's Jamal Hill Jamal Hill's time and, and that we'll see a lot of change over um The the other thing, division in the coming years, but
2: the other thing, no matter how the outcome is, you can hang your hat on that CLV. I mean, granted it's not closed yet, but I mean, you already got 15 points of movement, and it seems to keep going in that way. So, at the very least, you'll close with some value, and that's that's something we can all hang our hats on. So. Danny and I, I guess, we'll talk about ankle lock as the week goes on. We do better as we figure, as, as we can digest more stuff as the week goes on. Kobe, will have his plays out. I will force him. I might have to post the graphic. We'll work on all that. Follow us at anklepickpod on Twitter. We have been putting YouTubes up thanks to Danny. He's absolutely been crushing it. I've been working on this. Please the hit, hit the
1: like. Please hit the subscribe. It, it actually helps with our algorithm
2: literally everything we're out of here grinding boys it's been three years four years and we're still we're still bringing the content we're still breaking down the fights. so let's have a profitable saturday let's get after it i've done the last couple pohaz who's feeling it give it to dan this one's got to be a
1: good one it's give it, dan. dan this
2: is a, a gilbert burns card in brazil give it to us
1: rio de janeiro i'm not even gonna pr- try and pronounce this arena but uh Poha.